Um, I'm also kind of gross right now. It's a, it, tis the season. Tis the season. <laughs> I also just like fully ate a shit ton of food just because I don't really eat during the school day because my Why would you this. take a break and function? Yeah, no, it's fine. Pay attention so to body like, function. Whatever. Yeah, it's, it is what it is. <laughs> you were keeping children from punching each other in the face. No, I'm not, actually. I'm apparently well. letting children punch each other in the face. You're doing the most <sighs> you can. It's really... You Today know. was a day. Welcome to the True Crime ABCs podcast. I'm Danny, And I'm Sarah. Take a journey with us through our alphabet of true crime, one letter at a time. Listen through the end of each episode for reading recommendations and a sneak peek into what's going on in the podcast next week. This episode is supported by the letter P, and we're keeping it creepy again this week because P is for paranormal. (laughs) Instead of woohoo, a spooky. Uh, I'm a child. Love it. So we didn't have a ton of information about, I mean, obviously ghosts and things. We could have, I guess, researched different types of ghost hauntings and things like that, but I didn't. We're keeping it simple and easy this week. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did find a poll, a 2021 Ipsos poll. Ipsos? Ipsos? I don't know. It's a company that polls people. Um, It's a professional polling Yeah, professional polling company. (laughs) Uh, the International Polling Company. Not really. That's not what it means. But it is, I think, based in France. Okay. If I recall. Um, and they do a lot of, like, consumer polls and things mm-hmm. like that and, like, informational polls. Over a third of Americans believe in ghosts. Roughly 36%. And 39% believe in UFOs. And even though neither of our stories are UFO related, I thought this information was really interesting. So I kept it in here. It fits into the paranormal, right? For sure. So men are actually more likely than women to believe in UFOs. The poll found that 43% of men and 35% of women believed in UFOs, while women are more likely to believe in ghosts and spells or witchcraft. So for ghosts, 41% of women believe in ghosts, while only 32% of the men polled believe said they had any belief in ghosts. And then as for spells or witchcraft or like magic, 26% of women said that they did believe in spells and witchcraft and 15% of men said that they did. Okay. While only one in three Americans said they believed in ghosts, only one in four actually said that they had felt or seen or been in the presence of a ghost. Only 24%. And again, women are more likely than men to say that they've, believe they've seen a ghost or heard a ghost or been Mm -hmm. in the presence of a ghost. And although about two in five Americans believe in UFOs, only 10% claim to have ever witnessed or seen a UFO in real life. Interesting. So about two thirds of Americans celebrate Halloween, which is roughly Mm -hmm. 62%. um, That seems low. uh, You know, I guess what do they define as like celebrate Halloween? Because there might be people who, like, you know, don't necessarily full-on celebrate it, but right. don't necessarily, like, I think about, like turn their back on it. <laughs> I think about, like, my kids. Mm-hmm. I only had, like, two kids out of 45 that mm-hmm. didn't celebrate Halloween. Yeah. So, I don't know. Okay, sorry. No, I digress. It's all good. <laughs> As per usual. 
of the 62%, again, women are more likely to celebrate than men, which Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm surprised by that. I don't think so. But two in three women, so 67%, celebrate Halloween compared to only about half of the men, or 55%. Less than one in 10 Americans say they celebrate the Day of the Dead, or Dia de los Muertos. The most popular ways to celebrate the Halloween season include decorating your house, carving pumpkins, watching scary movies, and dressing up in a costume. And those were all around 35-ish percent. Um, And women are more likely than men to engage in any of those Halloween activities. (laughs) Heck yeah. It's because we like to dress up and like do crafty shit. For sure. So 29% of Americans do not do anything to celebrate Halloween. Which, again, I I don't know if that just means Mm -hmm. they don't participate in any activities or if it's like Mm -hmm. i absolutely hate halloween i'm not doing that yeah it's wild so of course chocolate candy is by far americans preferred halloween candy uh 60 percent of the uh preference and that is beating out caramels gummies any of the sour candies or hard candies so it seems like any chocolate over any candy which i definitely agree with (laughs) (laughs) It's always the first to go. I'm going to assume they didn't. They didn't pull anybody under the age of 18. (laughs) Because if you ask my kids their favorite candy, almost all of them are going to say something sour. So I'm going to guess from an adult standpoint, like 100% Mm -hmm. chocolate makes sense. I'm in the 6% who likes sour shit. I mean, I definitely like that's number two. But like if I have a, you know. I have a variety to choose from. Chocolate's always gone first. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, chocolate mm-hmm. and peanut butter, anything? Yes. <laughs> Give me the yummies. Um, so since we are talking, we're both talking about ghosts this, mm-hmm. or ghostly things this week. Um, I thought it might be fun. Maybe we share some of our ghost stories, mm-hmm. if we have any. And So I'm in the group of people that has never actually... <clears throat> um, <clears throat> never really seen anything uh you know specific we there's been some mm-hmm. weird things that have happened over the years um yeah you know just little little things lights or radios or things your last house was totally last, no 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 so i really don't think that it was <laughs> I don't know. That house, I had a hard time falling asleep in your house. And I am sensitive well, to that stuff. maybe. I don't know. There was one, there was one time that, I don't, I can't remember if she was alone or what, but looked over and it looked like somebody had sort of peeked around one of the corners um, kind of thing. Yeah. But it was like a shadow and who knows, you know, like the TV was on. It, yeah. It never really never really had there there was one so the the entryway closet the only other like weird thing that that weird thing that happened in that house that when we lived there which it was a i love that house it was like a historic house in a in Mm -hmm. an old neighborhood i don't know it's like 10 o'clock at night and it was me by myself this time and Mm -hmm. the closet door so just as a little fyi for the skeptics out there and those that are you know debunkers uh, <laughs> all of the the doors were like solid wood in the house because again it was an old old house 
So solid wood doors, solid wood casings. You know that when weather changes, things swell and, you know, Mm -hmm. things ebb and flow in old houses. Um, The hardware was also (laughs) original. So the handles and all of the the latches were original. So, again, with a little bit of skepticism, like, you had to really, like, turn and latch this door. So, Mm -hmm. as far as I know, it was latched appropriately. But there was one night I was sitting there on a couch, which was in the room right adjacent to the hallway where this closet is. Mm -hmm. And it's about 10 o'clock at night. And I heard the very distinctive sound of the door turning, like popping off of the lock and sort of opening just a little bit. Didn't swing open. It didn't like open and continue opening. It just popped off the lock and opened a little Mm -hmm. bit. But that was definitely enough for me to like, okay, I'm going to go outside. We're going to do like a lap around the house. <laughs> give it a minute. <laughs> air it out. Whatever you got to do. <laughs> I'm going to take a breather and I'll see you in a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, that, those were the only two things that ever happened in the house. Like I never, you know, we never had any issues like sleeping or weird mm-hmm. noises or voices right. or anything like that. So, but yeah, fun stuff. Mm-hmm. How about you? I, so I have one that I like really remember. So my mom's dad um, was originally from North Carolina and he had a house in the Blue Mm -hmm. Ridge Mountains in this tiny town, like in the mountains. And he, his house kind of like, if you look down the mountain a little bit, there was like a cemetery and stuff down there and it, a beautiful, oh my God, such a beautiful area. Like it's stunning. But my grandpa's mother had lived down the street and she had passed away and I don't I don't really remember Mm -hmm. her very much but so we would go and live with my or not live with no we'd go and stay with my grandpa every once in a while for like Mm -hmm. short weekends or whatever and and I remember my mom's brother had said he had lived there after my grandpa passed away and swore that he woke up one night being choked by something nope (laughs) and like and yeah so in that same house, and, and like he was sleeping in the room where mm-hmm. I would usually sleep if mm. we were visiting. Not anymore. And for me, <laughs> when I would stay in that house, I would, I'd always fall asleep in that bed and I always felt like somebody would sit at the nope. end of the bed. Mm-mm. But like not in a, not, I mean, I was freaked out because I was scared of everything, but like it didn't feel scared. It was, it didn't feel malicious. It felt like somebody was just like mm-hmm. checking on me, like tucking me in. Like that was always the feeling that I got. Was that, oh, they're just checking to make sure I'm okay. And my mom always swore it wasn't her. Mm-mm. But, like, it was a, a consistent thing. And then I would have I would have weird dreams when I was there. Again, about a lady sitting at the end of my bed and always kind of, like, like softly mm-hmm. smiling at me. You know what I mean? And she looked familiar, but she wasn't familiar. So I always kind of wondered if it Oof. was, like, my, my nana, my nana B, which was my grandpa's mom who was maybe just, like, checking in or something. But, like, now as an adult, when we had gone to the... uh, Shortly after my grandpa had passed, we had gone to the house. That that area feels much creepier now than when I was a kid. But, yeah, my uncle swore he was, like, getting choked. (laughs) But... And I've had, like, I've always... So my dad, obviously... Obviously, you know this, but listeners don't or may not. So my dad passed away and we had a very close relationship. My dad was kind of everybody's dad. 
And, you know, I had always, like, the thing that makes me not believe in ghosts is I had always been, you know, always kind of joked to my dad, like, oh, you better Mm -hmm. freaking haunt me when you die. And, like, he'd be like, oh, you know, I will. Who else is going (laughs) to nag you? Whatever. You know what I mean? Just, like, kind of my dad being my dad. And I've only had one one dream about Mm -hmm. my dad. Like, that felt like a visit. You know what I mean? Like a... And that, that's it. So I'm like, well, I don't know if ghosts exist. If my dad's mm-hmm. not haunting me, he promised. <laughs> so <laughs> so I don't know. But I still definitely late. I mean, God, what? 40% of our early friendship was I watching know, Ghost listen, Adventures. Uh, or no, Ghost Hunters, not Ghost you. Adventures. Yeah, ghost no. Hunters. We, we didn't go Zach Bagans until yeah, later. It, the, you know, there were a lot of... That's, I guess, why... I, I'm surprised it's not a higher number because right. of the popularity of so like the volume of <laughs> right you know ghosted you know adventure ghost right uh, hunting type shows that are out there. Yeah, I tried to watch one of the new episodes of Ghost it's Adventures. Ugh, that man I is can't. unbearable. It's like it's it's still recording like shouting. Oh, my God, is not actually catching a ghost. There's a comedian out there that jokes around about this. I can I'm going to have to get his name, mm-hmm. but he's he basically said the same thing. He's like, they've been on the air for <laughs> 17 years. Never caught a ghost. Like where, <laughs> where yep. are they? <laughs> <sighs> oh, gosh. Wild. It's a big main <laughs> trick. <laughs> So, you know, I'm sure the I'm sure there's lots of stories. Listeners, if you've got your your stories, right. please email us, share share with us. Uh, we're very interested to hear your own. Your yes, own we love ghost stories. We love them. <laughs> um, I want ghosts to be real. I think it's fun, but I'm also like, meh, maybe don't visit me. Don't scare me. One of my prayers when I was a kid, even though I, I'm not very religious and I never was, I always had like these little prayers that I'd say mm-hmm. right before bed, like, uh, hey, God, if you're real, like this type of thing. Um, and one of mine was always like, please keep all ghosts and spirits out of the house, even the nice ones. <laughs> like that, like mm-hmm. that was my prayer every night before or one of well, the four or whatever. Um, and, you know, here we are. I apparently didn't say it that hard when I was at my uh, grandpa's house in the mountains. But. What can you do? All right. So my story this week is about a woman who was murdered and also potentially helped to solve her own case. Women getting shit done. beyond the grave. Listen, (laughs) corporeal or not, they're getting shit done. So here we are. Um, Okay. So I'm going to talk to you today about Elva Zona Heaster. Elva Zona Heaster was born in 1876, so we've got another mm-hmm. oldie, but a goodie. And she went by her middle name of Zona. When she was fairly young, she married a man who was a blacksmith named Erasmus Stribling Trout Shoe. That's quite a name. Quite the name. He did eventually change his name to Edward Stribling Trout Shoe, which potentially could have been because he would get. In some legal trouble sometimes. Gotta have an alias. And may have changed his name, question mark. Mr. Shoe was not a great guy. 
his first wife, who he married when she was 16, <laughs> mysteriously died after taking a fall and hitting her head on oh, a rock. we hate those falls. Those falls. It's weird how those work. Did she hit her head on the rock before or after the fall? <laughs> Sorry. Well, that's what we... Or did the rock hit her <laughs> and then... Yeah. Yeah, Caused a fall. Well, fine. <laughs> yeah. So, eventually... Um, he got away with it, although there were, like, mumblings that maybe it wasn't that much of an accident. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Zona married Edward Erasmus, whatever he's going by, and took his last name. So then she was Zona Heaster Shoe. And on January 23rd, 1897, when Zona was only 21, she was found dead in her home. Well, that seems suspicious. Yep, just a touch. Now, there was a young boy who was actually responsible for finding the body. And it was a little strange because, so he found the body and then they contacted the police or whatever. And when the police came, Edward had moved her body to the bed mm-hmm. and redressed her. And wouldn't let the examiner come close to the body. He, they, you know, at first glance, they said, oh, he just seems so grief stricken. (laughs) He wouldn't let go of his wife. He was just clutching her around her neck, holding on to her. Clutching her around her neck, like to hide some wounds. What are we doing? Like, yeah, perhaps, you know, potentially. We shall see. Um, And the doctor called her death an everlasting faint. Oh boy, that's a that's an 1800s death Which certificate. Which is so 1897. Ever, that's a Victorian um, death certificate if I've ever seen it. <laughs> it was later like potentially chalked up to maybe like a failed, you know, like a miscarriage okay. or or like it was the cause of death was childbirth. But then I don't hear anything about her being pregnant or having a baby anywhere else. Like I didn't see that anywhere, okay. so eh. um so the everlasting faint thing, they basically said she had a heart attack. Okay. They could have written that. At 21. <laughs> uh, yeah. But at 21, like, mm, That's I call bullshit. Suspicious at best. <laughs> I call bullshit. Nora was, or no, not Nora. Zona. I was thinking Nora Zealhurston. That's not the right person. Zona Heaster was very close to her mom. And after she died, Zona's mother noticed that Edward was acting strange. Sorry if you hear Tucker snorting in the background. He's asleep. Um, Zona's mother noticed that Edward was also acting very strangely at the funeral. Again, instead of greeting people at the door like you typically do at a funeral or a memorial, Edward was just sitting by her body at the casket the whole time. Wouldn't let people get too close. Like He's hiding something. Oh, for sure is hiding something. Mary Jane Heaster, Zona's mom, you know, felt weird about it. And then following that day, following her funeral day, basically said like this, uh, something felt wrong. Mary Jane had actually always hated Edward. She had tried to convince Zona not to marry him in the first place. Mama knows best, huh? Yep. And then following her funeral, she was sure that he was responsible for her daughter's death. Mm -hmm. She had no doubt in her mind that it was Edward who had killed her daughter. Her first kind of piece of evidence that came was the day of the funeral. After taking, so this, I'm going to quote a Paranorms article. Mm -hmm. After taking a white sheet from inside the coffin, she attempted to wash it. But when she put it into the water, 
the water turned red. What? And like, again, this is like the time of spiritualism and everything's a sign and da, da, da. You know, yeah, but and like, this is a grief-stricken woman. Oh my gosh, I'd freak out. But was it all in her head and she was so mad and she knew that Edward had killed her daughter and she just mm-hmm. was literally seeing red? I mean, is that, you know what I mean? The mind does crazy things when you're grieving. So I don't know. But <clears throat> Mary Jane thought that obviously this was a sign. She didn't know what it was, so she prayed on it. And she prayed every single day for about a month that somehow she would get proof or evidence or some sort of indication that Zona had died at Edward's hands, which is crazy. And uh, she got her wish. Her prayers were answered. So about a month after her daughter's death, Mary Jane woke up in the middle of the night to find Zona floating in her bedroom. Now, a couple places said that she had tried to make contact with her daughter that night and Zona could not say anything or do anything. Mm -hmm. And she just sort of disappeared and that it took a few nights until Zona was like powerful enough to get the hang of it to speak. Yeah. I mean, listen, new ghost, Beetlejuice, maybe they hadn't met, you know, whatevs. Um, (laughs) The guide for the newly dead or whatever. The newly deceased. Yeah, there we go. Recently deceased. There we go. Um, It took a few nights potentially, but eventually Zona was able to talk to her mother in her ghost form. And Zona told her mother, Mary Jane, that Edward was cruel and had regularly abused her. And that that night he had attacked her and broken her neck because she hadn't cooked any meat for dinner. Of course. Wild. The visits from Zona happened multiple nights. They happened quite a bit. And eventually Mary Jane had had enough and she went to the local prosecutor. And she demanded that her daughter's body be dug up, exhumed, and then reexamined. So the prosecutor was like, yeah, okay, lady. Okay, get like, a shovel. Good luck. Yeah, uh, yeah all right, Grandma. <laughs> have fun with that. But eventually, uh, Mary Jane, Zona's mother, had convinced other people. Oh, like, Mary Jane was telling everybody, nobody in this town. I'm sure she was vocal. Had, about it. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah, she was telling everybody. But eventually, she had convinced some, like, pretty intelligent, reputable people who helped her to convince the prosecutor at least enough that they would exhume the body and have a proper autopsy. It took a while, but the doctor who had done the initial autopsy eventually kind of cracked and said he didn't do a thorough autopsy because Edward was being so protective of the body that he, he had sort of just rushed him rushed himself out, you know, and said, this poor man is grieving. I don't want to, like, this shit on his sad parade. This poor man I know. is grieving. Yeah, poor, poor Edward Trout. <laughs> Trout shoe. So Mary Jean Heaster visited the prosecutor a number of times until they were able to exhume. The prosecutor's name was John Alfred Preston. Preston had then convinced the doctor to make a statement about what actually happened. And because not doing a thorough examination of the body was sufficient enough for an, for another autopsy, the exhumation was ordered and they formed an inquest jury. So I don't know if you remember from actually episode one. <laughs> oh, Martha Haney. Yes. 
they had done the the jury had come to the house to do an inquest mm-hmm. to decide whether or not it was needed to go to court or anything. It did. So they did that inquest jury for um, for Zona Heaster, Zona Heaster Shoe. Although I hate giving her his last name because he sucks. And finally, on February twenty second, eighteen ninety seven, Zona's body was reexamined in a one room schoolhouse, which I thought was strange. Eighteen. What year again? 1897. So maybe it was like the only place big enough or whatever. I don't know. So the autopsy actually lasted three hours. And they found on the second autopsy that Zona's neck had been broken. Weird. Like very clearly broken. So weird and bizarre. I wonder why. I know. was protecting the body so badly. Again, (laughs) another shock in this episode. We're so surprised. Um, In the report, which was published on March 9th, 1897... It stated that the neck was broken and the windpipe mashed. On the throat were the marks of fingers indicating that she had been choked. Didn't you say that he was protective and putting his hand uh around her neck? Yeah, all around her neck, hugging her neck, not letting her go. Mm. Yep. So her windpipe had actually been crushed. That was how much force this person had strangled her with. And I know, again, another big shock here. Edward Shue was arrested and charged with the murder of his wife. I'm so shocked. I know. Crazy. (laughs) Um, I don't think I mentioned, this is all in West Virginia, by the way. Oh, okay. This is happening in West Virginia. Beautiful state. It's not super important, but yes. Beautiful. That's where my mom is from. Edward Shue was actually held in jail for a while before the trial began. And during that time, more and more information kept coming up about his previous marriages. Mm -hmm. Oh, and the suspiciously dead brides. Mm Mm-hmm. So his first wife, his very first wife, which I guess he, the one that I was talking about was actually his second wife. His very first wife ended in divorce because she had accused him of being cruel and abusive. I know. Gosh, we're all so surprised. Then his second wife had died under mysterious circumstances only a year after they were married. And then Zona was his third wife. And Shu had actually sort of gossiped to people that he dreamed of being married to seven women. That's and he spoke... I know. How nice for him. He spoke freely of this, like, in jail. Told other people in jail. That wasn't relevant to the two wives? I guess not. To three of his, to having three previous wives? Yeah. Not relevant at all, guy. But he kept telling reporters, I'm sure I'm going to be let go. They have no evidence Mm -hmm. against me. Mm -hmm. So his trial began on June 22nd, 1897. And Zona's mother, Mary Jane, was the star witness. The prosecutor actually kept his questioning to known facts of the case and kind of like flirted around the ghost thing. Okay. While the defense attorney went the other route, kind of trying to prove her to be unreliable. He extensively questioned her about the ghost visits. But despite being badgered, basically, by the defense attorney... Miss Heaster never changed her account nice. of the story. Oh, Tucky, you're making noises. Hi, bud. Since the but since the defense had introduced the ghost issue, the judge found it hard to tell the jury to disregard mm-hmm. it. And also, so many people in the community had believed it at this point. The jury deliberated and found Shu. What do you think? Oh God! Please just let it be guilty. Yeah, Please Please they found guilty. him guilty. <laughs> it's guilty. Um, on July 11th, he was found guilty of murder and sentenced to life in prison. 
good. However, how many years did he serve? Three, four, five? Even better. Oh, no. So a lynch mob formed to take him from jail to hang him. But the sheriff was able to disband the mob before they had actually lynched him. Some of the mob organizers were actually charged with crimes because of that. On March 13th, 1900, so only three years later, Shu died in the West Virginia State Penitentiary in Moundsville, West Virginia because of an unknown illness. Mm. It was only three years later, and he was not very old, so he was buried in an unmarked grave in the local cemetery. <laughs> the Greenbrier Ghost, or Zona Hurston Shoe, or Zona, <laughs> Zona Heaster Shoe, is the only recorded court case to have evidence from a ghost. Pretty cool. Brought into it, which is pretty fun. Um, and in West Virginia, there's actually a state historical marker near the cemetery where Zona is buried. Ooh. And it reads, interred in nearby cemetery is Zona Heaster Shoe. Her death in 1897 was presumed natural until her spirit appeared to her mother to describe how she was killed by her husband, Edward. Autopsy on the exhumed body verified the apparition's account. Edward, found guilty of murder, was sentenced to the state prison. Only known case in which testimony from a ghost helped convict a murderer. Very cool. Which is pretty cool. cool. Um, there's also, there's a, there's a bunch of stuff in popular culture. Um, there's a drunk history episode on this on Comedy Central. It is super hilarious. I, I mean, I love drunk history anyway, but, um, it's a good one to watch. It's pretty funny. (laughs) Um, and then there's a bunch of, there's a ton of books. There is a, um, in 2004, there was a full length musical adaptation made. Oh of a store of yeah of the ghost of Greenbrier County um and it ran for a while like 2004 I mean, 2009 and 2013 uh oh wait no that must have just been the play hmm. yeah that was a play um but the there is a musical that was performed in 2018 based on the story <laughs> and then obviously there are tons of books and things and i feel like there was an unsolved mysteries about it. I know there was one for your story. Yeah, yes. I feel like maybe there was one for this one too, but maybe not. Maybe I'm just getting them mixed up. But yeah, Edward Trout Shoe, what a dick. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, thank uh, goodness. Like, yeah, no, thank goodness for all the uh the ghost the ghostly activity. Oh yeah. <laughs> Women saving oh, saving crazy. themselves. Well not saving themselves, but yeah. Women, their killers, helping themselves. Yeah, listen, nagging from beyond the graves. It is the woman's way. It's real. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm definitely like Nick will tell you. I'm definitely coming back from the grave to haunt him for all the many things he does that bugs me. (laughs) I love that man with all my heart, but I do nag (laughs) for sure. This week, I am going to tell the tale of Teresita Bassa. Um, so if you have not heard this one, you're in for a treat this week. So Teresita, she was born in the Philippines in 1929, moved to the U.S. Mm-hmm. around 1960 um, to study music, and then later became a respiratory therapist at Edgewater Hospital in Chicago. Wow. 
so Teresita, um, unfortunately, the night of February 21st, 1977, around 10 o'clock p.m., um, the fire department was called to put out a fire at the Pine Grove Avenue Apartments. And while putting mm-hmm. out the fire, they found Teresita's naked body with multiple stab wounds and a knife still in her chest. Um, That's awful. She was also like a burning, like the mattress had been thrown on top of her and the mattress had been lit on fire, um, which was ultimately what set the apartment on fire. So obviously trying to hide some evidence. Right. So, of course, investigators believe that the fire had been set to cover up the murder, but there was evidence that there was a sexual assault possible Um, because, again, she was naked in her bed, all of that. Um, Right. But the autopsy actually found that there was no, there was no sexual assault that happened. Like there had, she had not been raped. Oh, good. Okay. So, um, but they didn't really have an apparent motive for the crime at that point. Cause again, it, it wasn't like a very blatant break in. There wasn't a ton of things that had been like strewn around the apartment or anything like mm-hmm. that. And again, the fire. They couldn't really find a lot of physical evidence when they were doing the investigation. Um, and most of the evidence that had been there had been destroyed by the fire, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the only pieces of evidence that they actually did found did find was a memo that stated, quote, get theater tickets for A.S. A.S. Ooh, who's A.S.? I I must know. I know, right? So that was really the only thing that they could find as far as evidence. Um, Of course, the police pursued several leads, um, but they were subsequently dismissed. Mm -hmm. They were trying to figure out who this A.S. suspect was. They figured that he was definitely, or they were definitely involved in the crime, uh, but they didn't know who that was. It wasn't the mm-hmm. initials for her boyfriend, um, although her boyfriend was a suspect since she allegedly argued with him often. Um, mm-hmm. So, of course, always check with the boyfriend or the spouse. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so, unfortunately, after they checked into all of this, they still didn't know who A.S. was. Um, didn't really have a lot of leads on that that piece of evidence. The case went cold. Mm-hmm. Um, after a couple months of not being able to really find anything. But this is where it starts to get sort of strange. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So about five months after Teresita was killed, Detective Joe Statula um, received a call from Teresita's former co-worker. Um, Her name is Remy. She was also from the Philippines Mm -hmm. um, and was also a respiratory therapist. At the same hospital that Teresita worked at. Oh, okay. So this call was from Remy and her husband, Joe, and they claimed to have information about Teresita's murder. So when they met with the detective, the couple told him all about, I'm sorry. Yeah. The couple told him all about their recent experiences, which were pretty bizarre. Um, Mm -hmm. But Remy told Joe shortly after Teresita's murder, she began having visions and dreams where Teresita actually appears to her, begging, oh, crazy. begging her to go to the police to tell her what happened. Oh. So super crazy. Um, if I die suspiciously please and I haunt come you, find you me. better. Please yeah. let me know. I will go to the police. Perfect. Thank you. Deal. I just want to 
<laughs> Same. <clears throat> so one of the times this happened, Remy was napping at home. Joe actually began to hear Remy speak in another voice. Mm-hmm. Like, with a deep Spanish accent and, like, not... This was not her normal voice, Remy's normal voice. Wow. Which is so bizarre, so strange. That is scary. No, thank you. I hate it. It's like something straight out of The Exorcist. Um, Mm -hmm. But the voice specifically said and identified herself that she was Teresita. And she told Joe through Remy that her killer's name was Alan Showery. What? Bizarre, right? So... The voice claimed that Alan, this Alan character, was an orderly that mm-hmm. also worked at the hospital that they worked at. And she urged Joe to go to the police. Um, but when Remy woke up, she had, like, no re- memory of this actually happening. Which is so creepy to think about. <laughs> like, you wake up from a nap and your husband's uh. freaking out because you were talking. Like, yeah, weird. Does does your husband spe- talk in his sleep? Yes. Nick, too. Sentences. Drives me insane. Yeah. <laughs> usually very loudly. Uh, so he's not usually that loud. Sometimes it's a little bit mumbly. But if I ask mm-hmm. him what he said, sometimes he'll repeat it. And it'll be like <laughs> a, <clears throat> almost a cognitive discussion while he's asleep. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so as any normal husband would, at first, they didn't really want to go to the police. Because, like, how do you even explain mm-hmm. this to... Like, my wife's talking in her sleep. But, like, we know who the killer was like how do you right we found your killer yeah how do you even start no like nobody's gonna like maybe in like the (laughs) early 1900s late 1800s maybe because like spiritualism and all that stuff but like this yeah this is a long time later so this would be i feel like people have easily that ship has sailed yeah yeah so sure enough the voice possesses remy again um Asking Joe, basically, giving him the business, asking him why he didn't go to the police. Why didn't you do what I asked? <laughs> so, like, fair. did it, Teresita. Uh, <laughs> so, he, you know, and basically said, like, I have no evidence against this guy. Like, what am I supposed to say? Right. I'm going to go in there and say, hey, go check this guy out. And right. so, the voice told him at that time that, um, and this is, like, crazy, Um, The voice told him at that time that Teresita's jewelry had been stolen after her murder. And this Alan guy gave it to his girlfriend. Oh, gross. Which is like my favorite move. One of my favorite moves that these people do. Also so dumb. So So it's so dumb because not only was this like obviously a piece of jewelry that belonged to Teresita. um, Right. This piece of jewelry was purchased in France it was. It originally belonged to Teresita's mom. It was basically like oh, a family heirloom. So very yeah. You can't give. You can't steal and gift an heirloom. You <sighs> well, dumbass. Yeah. So of course, <sighs> like any normal human being, detective, whatever, Statula was skeptical. Um, you know, once he, they were finally talking about what was going on, right? And he decided that he would do a background check on showery just to rule out any possibilities like right to make sure that we check the box why not right do the due diligence let this guy sleep at night and then we can all move on yeah because i'm sure he was expecting to find nothing right Um, but during the investigation and the background check he found that this guy actually lived pretty close to teresita oh goodness! so like very clearly had an opportunity um 
But when mm-hmm. he dug in and started asking coworkers, they confirmed that he was definitely planning to go to her apartment that night to help repair her television. So they knew each other. Yes. And he was obviously going to be there that evening. Wow. Yeah. So at that point, Alan was brought in for questioning and he did confirm that he was there to fix the TV. So he did hmm. not deny being there. Right. Um, but he claimed that when he went over there to fix the TV, he didn't have the right tools to be able to fix it. So he went back home. So hmm. after he went back home, um, after he left the apartment, he made the plan to return, obviously, when he went back to fix the TV and rob her. And when he returned, of course, Teresita let him back in because why would she not? (laughs) Right. He'd already been in there and didn't do anything. So. And when she apparently turned around to lock the door, he grabbed her from behind and attacked her. Ugh. So. um, And he admitted this? Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, okay. Okay. You just wait. (laughs) So. I hated myself there. He, um, he did end up, you know, disrobing her to make it look like a sexual crime, but obviously we know it wasn't. Um. And then he took her mattress and put it on top of her body and set the mattress on fire. Oh, yeah. hate that. When Statula was, when Detective Statula was hearing this, he was obviously like surprised. He wanted to verify the story around the jewelry, all of that. He actually asked Showery's girlfriend if she had been mm-hmm. given any jewelry lately. And she said, oh. of course, that she had. Um, yeah, look at my beautiful new heirloom necklace. <laughs> She also agreed to let Teresita's friends and family inspect the jewelry to be able to identify mm-hmm. it. And surprise, they confirmed oh my gosh. that it was Teresita's. I'm so surprised. I'm shocked. Shocked. Please sit down because I'm sure you are so shocked uh, from yes. that discovery. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, um, <clears throat> confronted with that jewelry evidence, Shaori confessed to Teresita's murder. Mm-hmm. So... Even though he confessed, um, he ended up pleading not guilty to her murder. Why? Um, I, you know, who knows? <laughs> Whether I don't know if it was because his lawyers advised him that way, or if he just thought that he could really get away with not with a not guilty plea. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess. That's but true. there ended up being a mistrial. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Why would it be easy? Right. Why would it be slam dunk? No. So I don't love it. The, there was a mistrial that occurred, and so while we were waiting for all while they were waiting for all that to take place, Alan mm-hmm. actually, this is this is wild. He decided to plead guilty on February twenty third, nineteen seventy nine. While they were waiting for that mistrial, what a dummy! So, my thing, my question. It's very strange to me that Alan decided to plead guilty. Right? Like, why would you plead not guilty and then decide to plead guilty? Right. You know, if Teresita was able to visit Remy and oh, Joe, maybe. I wonder if she made any additional visits. Oh, I hope she I the wonder fuck out if of him. maybe Alan was like, you know what? I have to I have to do this just to get it over. Or even even just hearing maybe that she was haunting other people, mm-hmm. maybe it just freaked him out enough that he was like, yeah. I don't want to wait until she makes the rounds to mm-hmm. me. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So pretty yeah. crazy. Um, but, you know, he he was sentenced. Um, he was sentenced and committed for the crimes. Mm-hmm. Received a 14-year sentence. 
Really? And then served four years. What? Yeah. For murder and burglary. Yeah. And arson, really. Mm-hmm. 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 So, um... Was he was he like a rich white guy? I have no idea. I don't. I, I don't think so. Uh, because... I don't know. So I know that he received three sentences. I believe it was mm-hmm. they were to be served consecutively. So he received like four years for the arson. You know, and I can't, I can't remember all of them, but it was like arson. There were three different crimes. I think that he was, and the murder was the longest sentence, but it was fourteen years. I'm looking him up. I don't know if it was. You know, it was 1979. So. Were there racial Surprising. ties to, to the, you know what he I was, mean? Like, he was black. Well. Hmm. I find it hard to believe that they let a black guy off that easy in America. Well, he was paroled. So. <laughs> P.S. I just want everyone to know I don't agree with that statement that black people should not get the same. I just find it hard. Like if it had been a, you know, a Brock Turner situation, yeah. Yeah. it wouldn't have sh- surprised me that he got mm-hmm. off that easy, but... Mm-hmm. Murder and robbery and arson seems like a yep pretty heavy pot to have to deal with. Yeah. So, <clears throat> wow. So, you know, this was one of these crazy cases where Teresita, who, you know, obviously the police did not expect to be involved in the, the solving of her own case, mm-hmm. um, but helped solve her own murder from beyond the grave. I was kind of chuckling because this is a true example of, like, if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> like, God, I mean, people fair. are never going to get it right. Like, let me just take care of this. <laughs> I mean, think about all of us, like, armchair detective millennial women oh gosh, who never... only listen to true crime podcasts. Oh, like, how many? I want to know the percentage of us that are coming back to haunt people to solve our own cases. I don't know. We're going to need some... It's got to be higher than it was in the 1800s and 1970s. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I don't think. Wow. So, yeah. Um, I can't believe we only got four years. Oh, so it's just crazy because there's no way to really identify... Like, there's there's no other way that you, they would have been able to pin Showery to this crime. Mm-hmm. Like, Remy didn't know the suspect, for, like, very well, even though they worked at the same hospital. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, but I mean, hundreds of people work in the same hospital. Right. So, you know, <clears throat> but did she, like, simply just hear him talking about being at the apartment, you know, overhearing right. a conversation, or who knows? But definitely a wild, a wild case, and, um... Yeah. Crazy. Crazy if I it's true. It. <laughs> I hope it is. I hope it is. Oh, it's so fun. Well, thanks for sharing. That's amazing. I want to solve my own murder someday. We'll see. Well, I hope you're not murdered. Um, oh, my God. Wait, what? No, well, no, I'm not going to get murdered. <laughs> but, like, if I do get murdered. Yeah, that's the caveat. I want to be a part of the solving. Yeah. I, at least. So my book recommendation this week is called Houses of Horror. It is by Richard mm. Weiner. Um, so this is basically just a short, uh, true ghost story compilation book. Um, this does mm-hmm. mention the story of Teresita Bassa a oh, little nice. bit briefly in this book. Um, so that's sort of how I found it this week. But there's a few other good ones in there, too. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for additional details on my story and a few other good yeah. spine chillers, check that one out. Um, my book recommendation this week is called The Haunting of Zona Heaster mm-hmm. Shoe, the Greenbrier, the Greenbrier Ghost Chronicles. 
by Nancy Richmond and Misty Murray Walkup. Um, and it's basically like an in-depth telling of the story that you guys just heard from me. Um, <clears throat> it's pretty cool. It's got like pictures in it and court documents and things like that. So it gives you some like real, like evidentiary support of what, you know, the... <laughs> Legally no, blonde, you. anybody? Um, <laughs> that of just like what actually happened, and that it was a real story, and like here is the proof that everything exists, or not maybe not that the ghost existed, but here's everything that proved that this story actually happened. So it's pretty sweet. So next week's episode will be supported by the letter Q. Check us out on social media and give us your best guesses on what our theme for next week will be. If you'd like to hear more from us, please check us out on Instagram, TikTok, and Patreon at True Crime ABC Podcast, or email us your thoughts, ideas, and listener stories to truecrimeabcpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for listening, everybody. Thanks, guys. Uh, keep it scary and, you know, sage your house or whatever if you need to. If you don't like the ghosty ghosties. Oh, yes. Yay. Well, look at us go. Another episode. I know. We did it. Mm-hmm.